Hello, and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And today you're in for a treat. We have our friend Ruth Jo Simons with us to talk about this fourth week in our Women and Men in the New Testament study. Do not let her cute exterior fool you. That girl goes deep. She loves the Word. She loves the Lord. And this is such a fun episode. Can't wait for you to hear it. Let's get started. So you took Ann Voss Camp shopping this morning. I did. And we've been talking about it forever because we're kind of like, there's a secret life of speakers and authors where you're traveling, you take a carry-on, and you really need to take... It's got to be pieces capsule. as possible. Yeah, you have to know what your style is, but sometimes you want that outfit to like not, you know, to be you, but what's you in short capsule form. Right. And so, yeah, I took it to Madewell because there's magic pockets in yeah. jeans. And so we did that and it's walking distance from here. So it was really fun. There's it's nothing like a good Madewell pair of jeans. Oh, that's good to know. That is good to know. I wish we had more time because you know now that we've already talked about this recently that that's now my new dream is that you style me. Well, and it's just so fun because I think you need the thing about styling a friend is you want somebody trusted to really say, this is not the best on you yes. and this is better. And yeah. you someone ha- please tell me right, that because in I, love yes, and then affirm me. You really... You can't read a rule book. You have to have somebody who really knows you and looks at the way you walk and checks out your rear end and tells you how it's going to be. So <laughs> this is real friendship. Yes. 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 Oh, that's it's, good friendship. It's, real friendship. it's like that. you have something that. in your teeth and I'm going to tell you so that you don't get to the end yeah. of the day. You know, you don't. Neither one of you do. By the one way. of my favorite things about spending time with you guys just a few weeks ago in Nashville is, you know, you know somebody online so much, but, you know, you see them online and you know about their life. But I was like, oh, my goodness, I could spend hours with both of you guys. And it was so Aww. sweet. And That's how we feel. I just was like, We've discussed how have it. we not hung out more? And then it's funny because, Rachel, you know, I don't know if anyone else thinks this, but Rachel can feel intimidating to me. Like, I <gasps> I'm think, so sorry. No, 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 not in a bad way. Yeah. In the, in the same way that people say that about me. But okay, I think yeah. it's sometimes when you're like, let's get it done as yeah. a person, right? It's the CEO in you, right? Yeah. So, so I think I've been gushing repeatedly about our song that's going to be like... Ruth talk. and I recently wrote a song with Ellie oh, Holcomb. my goodness. I, I think you should just go ahead and say hit song. It's, it's like totally it's, a hit song. We're just going to speak it into existence. We've I don't been think that's a thing I believe in. But what I'm we should wear it. to the Dove Awards. You know, and we just have to shave off like three minutes of it it's for it to be radio long. <laughs> It's only twice as long <laughs> as it should be. Everything and is you know, going to be fine. I mean, basically, Ellie is at her best. And I mean, I've been playing Ellie for a long time, but lately I've been playing her music and going... Not as good as our song. <laughs> I'm like, Apologies oh, to our Ellie's. Okay. Just kidding. Let Just me give kidding. context to our listeners. So Ruth and Amanda and I attended back in January a songwriter's sort of like book writers, songwriters, let's all get together and let's just create a gush project over together. God's word and mm-hmm. see what comes out of it in yes. song form. Mm-hmm. And Ruth and I got paired with the golden ticket. Oh my goodness. (laughs) She really is. Um, She's the secret sauce. She really is. And so we sat in a room and just bawled our eyes out reading. It was amazing. The story of Esther together and just music came from it. And it was I mean, Beautiful. I was in the next room and I was like praise handsing because I could hear it coming through the wall. I was like, I hear an anthem. And then like a lyric would come and walk in like, I'm just hands in the yes. air half the day. It, it was, was so fun. It was so great. And I was reflecting on it because I've been gushing about it so much. And a couple of friends would be like, you and Rachel became like really close friends over that. And I said, yeah, because we're both 
CEO bossy folks. And yeah. so you might think that three people in a room, two of whom who are a little bit more like, let me like when you're trying lead. to collaborate on something. Exactly. Yeah. But it felt the, like the most natural thing. Of course, Rachel pulled out a spreadsheet, a Google form, immediately, a Google doc immediately. <laughs> okay, color coded the sections immediately. of the song. There was it like was real time editing going yes. on. And of course, I'm that person who has to, I don't know if it's the, like the Chinese in me or whatever, but I'm a, an observer. Like I have to trust you before I I'm vulnerably like give content. Yeah. So I'm not the one who leads quickly right away. I'm kind of like, I observe, I observe, and then I dive in. Which is exactly what happened. It was, it was beautiful. Really, that feels really wise. Yeah. And, but like no, what's amazing is it takes there. somebody like Rachel to make that invitation happen. Well, as sure. Well. Because and, if we had three Amanda's in a room, we would just all take a nap. <laughs> because that's <laughs> what we would do. I so here's what I will say because I think you're right. I know that the word intimidating sounds like a bad quality, but that's how my husband is. My husband yeah. and Rachel are very similar personality mm-hmm. types, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Amanda has a type. <laughs> I do have yes. a type. I clearly do. My spouse and my significant Aww. other are the same type. But what I learned about him, and I've never really thought about this, Rachel, but I think you guys are very similar in this way, is that they can seem hard to get to know at first, but they're really not. No. And mm-hmm. when you do get to know them, they go deep. Yeah. And they are your forever friend. And yeah. leading in structure doesn't mean leading without collaboration. And yeah, so right. Rachel's no. good at that. Rachel's good at saying, hey, in order to be efficient here, let me do this and offer my gifts. But then Ellie comes along and just like, She's like laying all out, just oh, singing Ellie. her heart out. And then I felt utter welcome. There's only three of us, you know? Yeah. So I was able to finally say, well, this is what I really like to contribute and say right. about this. And there was total welcome. And so to the, at the and end of Bruce's the day. And contributions make the song. Like it's so good. It's so true. For, for really Ruth and I to like sit and just like talk about yeah. God's word and not just in the book of Esther, but like mm-hmm. all up and down that book. And we didn't know each other And then just music well. started playing. Yes. It started singing what we were saying. It but was cool. it was wild to look over next to my new friend, Rachel, and go, oh my goodness, we are totally on the same page about the gospel thread. We're totally on the same page. Yeah. You know, even theologically, like you're not saying this is my theological agenda, but when you read the word together and you're both going, but what about, and then I'm like, let me look up that word. And then she's saying, but this is what I studied. And suddenly you realize, oh, we're going to be in heaven celebrating this together (laughs) because we are- Singing the song you wrote. Probably. (laughs) I love it. But it's true because that, when you first said that, that you two- you didn't expect for it to go as well as it did or Mm -hmm. other people didn't or whatever. It's because you're on the same team and because in songwriting, as we now know, because we've written so many, Rachel. A number of hit songs. Right? So many basically songwriters. We're basically songwriters. (laughs) Adding it to my resume. I need to remember to do that. You have to get to kind of the core of the thing Mm -hmm. and it's hard. So all of you songwriters feel validated. It's so hard. It's so hard. Because it has to rhyme and sound yeah. nice. What yeah. I loved about both, that Rachel and I both were like virtually high-fiving in, with the fact that it didn't matter if it was a great word that rhymed, if it didn't bring utter glory to God mm-hmm. and a clear, in true clarity, reveal the purpose of the passage. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that was where I felt sisterhood was like, I get where you're going. Like, it doesn't matter if this is like, the thing that's going to be sweet for people to hear, or they're going to want to sing these words, or it rhymes. At the end of the day, we have one opportunity to make the thing that gets lodged in people's heads to actually 
clearly demonstrate what God's intention is through this Some passage. kind of portable theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So what we're hoping for, ladies in this besides room. Besides the devil work. As we say, besides the, thank you. <laughs> besides the <laughs> devil Because I started work. like shopping for that dress already. Right. You know. It'll be if, good. Oh, if we go to the devil work, Ruth can style us. <laughs> oh my goodness. There my it is. Dream, full circle. Dream. I, like I would it. love that. But one thing I do hope will happen while we're in this room as we talk about week four of Women and Men in the Word is that hopefully we make beautiful music together. If we talk enough about God's Word, I'd like to think that Amanda will get her guitar out and write us a song. Well, if you will buy me guitar, teach me how to play it, then yes. That is what I believe we'll in do. you. I believe in you. That's Amanda. what we'll do. Well, and that's exactly what we, before we hit record, Ruth, we were just talking with you about how really this is not a podcast episode. This is a conversation with Mm. you that is very much in line with the other conversations that we've had with you when we've been able to be face to face. And you are such a blessing because I feel like we can go right there. I think the neat thing about reading God's Word together and talking about it together, like the three of us in this room, is that you find out and you see a perspective that you may not have seen before in a familiar passage because somebody else is talking about what they're getting out of it. So for example, I always use food analogies because oh, good. Okay, you're just going to fit girl. right in. I'm telling you, you can have in and out Burger a thousand times, but if you're in a room together and you're describing it or talking about what it is that you love about it, you suddenly go, oh, wait, you get that on it or you do it that way? Or, you know, that's just one example, so right? So many variations of in so and out Burger. Or you might realize... Oh, I didn't think about the fact that, you know, this shake appears, you know, whatever it is. Right. So I just think about how, like, you know, I'm looking at these studies and they may feel like the Bible stories are familiar. But when I look at them, they're not simple. They're actually kind of complex and deep and they they might be short and you could read right through them. But when we discuss, it's an opportunity for us to realize some of these passages are kind of hard and sometimes they're not quickly understood. And just because they're not quickly understood doesn't mean we don't want to take time embracing the fact that we want to work through it and even like wrestle with it a little bit. Right. And aren't we glad that our God is not quickly understood? So glad. (laughs) Right. That he is, that his wisdom is so far beyond ours and that his word is living and active and that it does pierce us, you know, Mm -hmm. to our core. And and I love that it's sort of like the way that we put passages side by side in the study books we create or the reading plans we create. Connecting those dots creates a, you look at it through a different lens. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens when we bring our perspectives and put those side by side. It gives Mm -hmm. us a new lens to look at because God's word hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. And what's true is still true. And there aren't versions of that truth. There is one, and this is us just uncovering tiny glimmers of it. And if we are to taste and see that the Lord is good, our taste buds are different. And we the way we taste things and the way we experience them, and to be able to express that to you and say, Amanda, when I read that passage, oh, the Lord was so good to remind me of this other passage. And suddenly the deliciousness of that passage and understanding God's character through that passage just expanded because of that added element. I love that. So talk about stories being familiar, but not simple. This week feels like a a real example of that Mm because we have Lazarus. Who else do we have? We Um, have Martha and Mary. And then Judas, Judas. Pilate Mm -hmm. and Barabbas. 
Not simple. Wow. No, not no, simple. Not yeah. at all. When you see that list of names, Ruth, who stirs your heart the most when you think of the stories as you know them and as you've read them over time? Yeah, well, Mary and Martha for sure because of right. yeah. the season I'm in, you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's talk about that season for a minute. You are a mom of six boys. Mm-hmm. So your house is so quiet and boring. How old is your oldest sure. and youngest, Ruth? Your he's, oldest is out of the house? No, he no. he took a scholarship oh, locally, so he's in college, right. but at home. Okay. He turns 18 next month. Wow. And my youngest is six. So we're teaching how to read and we're teaching how to let go. Like, oh, my word. At the same time. So And you're homeschooling. We are a homeschooling family. My husband is the primary homeschooler. That's because amazing. His background is in education. So we run the business together and he is the primary teacher. I like that. We're homeschooling family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's nice. And you and your husband have many ventures together, your family. You've written a book together. And then you've written books on your own. I'm sure with him in the background. Absolutely. There's not one thing I do that doesn't feel like we're in ministry together. Because years ago, he was a teaching pastor. And I was a pastor's wife, counseling young women after babies went to bed. And it doesn't feel like we're really doing something different. It doesn't feel like we pivoted and did some majorly different thing. It just looks like right now the spotlight's a little bit more on me and Mm -hmm. I'm teaching women while he is nurturing my soul and being a shepherd in our own home and reads everything I write to make sure that I'm actually giving honor and glory to the Lord and being biblically accurate. So I'm super grateful for that. But because we run a business together and do all this, I look at the story of Mary and Martha and I go, Lord, how do I, why do I go back and forth? Like, how do I know how to Mm -hmm. keep this posture that is good, this posture that is actually reverent and slow, looking up and hanging on every word that Jesus says and still go answer all the emails and put out all the fires and run to the next event and do those things? Because those are things... Both of those kind of categories of things you're describing for you, and I don't want to put mm-hmm. words in your mouth, but those are acts of obedience for you. Absolutely. It's not that I'm supposed to just have like a five hour quiet time and then be like, you know, Lord, you don't really need me to like do my responsibilities. I'm just going to sit here and listen to praise music all day. That's not really serving him. Serving him is actually going and finishing the dishes. Mm -hmm. Then dealing with my child who maybe fussed at somebody, you know, that shouldn't have had that attitude. And then going and talking to my team and working out some trouble spots in business, right? I mean, those are acts of obedience. So when we look at, you know, that's why that story would probably be the most poignant for me and maybe convicting in a just a, not even in the traditional, like, you know, some people might just elevate and say, wow, Mary's done it so well. Right. And not just in that like all or nothing kind of way, but saying, wow, the Lord loved them both. And the invitation is a reminder that this posture here feeds everything that Martha was wanting to do in the first place. You know? Right. And Martha was busy serving. Yeah. You know, she was serving. And we do, I feel like my tendency in the past when I've read that story or tried to apply truths from that story was to kind of label, well, you're either this or that. right? And right. it really feels more like, no, the focus of this story is Jesus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because and the truth is we're all Marthas, like all of us, right? Of course. Nobody yeah. is loving the Lord our God with all our minds, hearts, soul, and strength perfectly. Like without the grace of God, without the gospel, we're actually not capable of yeah. 
truly resting in Christ. See, the story of Mary and Martha for me is, I don't get it. Like, I look at that story, like Ruth, you said, it's a familiar story. It's one that we talk about a lot. It's here in this She Reads Truth book. But when I look at, you know, when I read the full context of it, I don't understand. I think I want it to be black and white. And it's and I, not. And I yeah. want it to mm-hmm. be like, okay, well, don't be a Mary, be a Martha, or don't be Martha, be a Mary, yeah. whatever it is. But I think it's just so colorful. I don't think it's black and white. And I think that the beauty in both of them is that Jesus just loved them. Yeah. And that Martha was so tender to Jesus and ran to see him. And mm-hmm. and Jesus was so tender to Martha. Like, I don't read that passage as Jesus, like, shaking his finger at or her. Or frustrated or anything like that. It, it doesn't sound like he's frustrated. It sounds like she's frustrated. Yeah. It feels um, like, if anything, like, the thing that I understand about this story is that Jesus is both teaching and loving simultaneously like yes. I think that there's there was no condemnation like he was just here's this like let me tell you this let me show you this but there was never a moment of really shame on you you know I think that you hit on something though Rachel about it's hard to pull this and we're talking about the passage specifically where Jesus comes to visit and Martha is working to do things to prepare food, or you can kind of use your imagination, the things Mm -hmm. she would be doing sort of around the house, so to speak. And then Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha's frustrated. And what she says is so sassy. Read what she says. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. I love the CSB. <laughs> like it just it constantly puts things in. It just makes me see it in like a slightly different yeah. way. But tell her to give me a hand. But then it says the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, are you worried and upset about many things? But one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. And so much about the see this is why I don't understand mm-hmm. it because I think that there's a lot of color to it. He says Martha twice, which always means pay attention. Oh, it. it says yeah. her name twice. And then he says like one thing is necessary. And that is from what I can understand, I think the one thing is necessary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Is yeah. that right? And Amanda Ruth, like what would you say when he says one thing is necessary? What is he because saying he's is necessary? Not saying don't serve because that's not he didn't say sit down, you shouldn't be doing the work that you're doing. Right. Just, he's just saying the most necessary thing is what Mary's doing. And because he could have in that moment literally been like, well, you don't need to be doing that. But he didn't tell her not to. He said, this is the most necessary. And then I end up looking at that. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. He could have said, and I won't make her stop, but it won't be taken away from her makes me go, is it that our worries and being upset takes away the joy of being in the presence of the Lord? Is it that there's a part of this where in our everyday lives, like we are robbing ourselves of the one thing that is necessary because we allow our worries and our fears and our controlling of our circumstances. It's not even about a time thing as much as it's like, we can experience the presence of God and really sitting at the feet of Jesus all day long. This is not a Sunday morning thing. This right. is not a 30 minutes in the morning Bible time. It's that we actually can sit at his feet all the time, but our worries and our self-indulgent, like I got to control all things and complaining about how things aren't working on our way, that can rob us of even knowing the necessary presence of God in our lives. Yeah, I think you're onto something, Ruth, because what strikes me when we read this today <laughs> is that he didn't say 
Martha, Martha, what you're doing isn't important. That's yes, exactly what you right. just said. It's Martha, Martha, you are anxious. I'm now reading from the mm-hmm. ESV. Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. But listen to this wording. It's a little bit different. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not mm-hmm. be taken away from her. And so I wonder if, I don't know the answer to the question of like, what is the meaning of this? Mm-hmm. But I do see the emphasis not being put on what she's doing, mm-hmm. but her posture. Yeah. You know, like you're anxious and troubled about many things. So if I let myself read into the text a little bit, I feel that maybe she's she's prioritizing their, those in her heart. Mm-hmm. It's not even that it's wrong that she's doing them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean... If Jesus is in the house and you're not sitting at his feet, that's a sin. I don't mm-hmm. think that's what this means. Right. But to sit at his feet is to choose the best thing. The greater mm-hmm. portion. Mm-hmm. And and I think that I think it would be a misreading of the text to take so we're reading from Luke ten, this particular story is verses thirty eight through forty two. I think it would be a misreading of the text to pull that out and pretend like these three individuals <laughs> that Jesus, Mary, and Martha didn't have a relationship. Like, well, go back to verse 38. This is what stuck out to me this yeah. morning. Verse 38, it says, While they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. That is where they meet. I think I forget. I always think of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus as like the comrades of Jesus outside mm-hmm. of the disciples, and like that they had this really special friendship. But I genuinely never stopped to think when they met how that friendship developed. And it starts right here. It starts right here in Luke chapter 10. Does it? Do we know that? While they were traveling, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. I don't know if that means that they didn't know each other before. Okay, that's a good point. Possibly. Possibly. So another passage that we read in this day. Well, but look at verse 39. It says, after that, she had a sister named Mary. So it's an introduction. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet. Maybe it's not an introduction. It could be an introduction to the reader and not Jesus. I don't know. That's a good point. I hear that. Either way, they met some point and I like to think about it. And here's what I love about this is it's okay to not know all the things about what we're reading. The Holy Spirit is able to, I mean, just as this is sort of a principle of what we do at She Reads Truth is that it's just like, let the listener hear. (laughs) It's okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. to not know all the answers to every question. No, but if anything, we're just modeling a conversation that we hope any of you would have with any of your friends. I just interrupted Ruth. You were about to say something wonderful. I was going to say, you know, I'm no, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just pressure. No, it's my mind. And if you know me, you know that I'm always thinking about the practice of preaching truth to yourself. And I think about the fact that we have the Paul's epistles and we see that pattern of like, he tells us where we were, what Christ has done for us and how to respond. And if you look at that, Jesus's response to her right here is kind of modeling that. Mm -hmm. So he does do the love and teaching Mm -hmm. at the same time. He doesn't waste any opportunity. It's not an opportunity to put somebody in their place. Mm -hmm. He's using that opportunity to show how he longs for us to live in the power of Christ. Yeah. Right. So I look at that and I go, well, you're right, Martha, Martha. The repetition is that, like, pay attention. You are worried and upset about many things. That's like calling out the truth Mm -hmm. of your condition. But one thing is necessary. That points back to Mm -hmm. knowing Christ, what He's done for us, and then in response, make the choice to stay, to abide. Will not be taken away from her basically means let her be, let her keep staying, abiding the idea of hanging on, persevering, 
planting your feet, you know, cling to the vine. It's that like seek the Lord while he may be found. Yes. And here's the thing. I say, I don't get it. I don't understand this passage. I don't fully get what Jesus meant. But also if I sit and I'm fully honest with myself, I can put myself in a place of being in my home by myself, the morning to myself and knowing my first thing should be and mm-hmm. gets to be reading mm-hmm. scripture and abiding mm-hmm. with Christ. And first I'm going to clean the kitchen because that's kind of distracting when it's messy. And then, <laughs> you know what, I might also do this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And then I should check a couple of things. And all of those things are kind of morally neutral, right? Yeah. It's not like, oh no, you know, but you are worried and busy with many things, but there's one thing that is necessary. And so I want to say I don't understand it, but I also, if I'm very honest with myself, can see what mm-hmm. Jesus is saying to Martha. One thing is necessary, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Rachel, Rachel, one thing is necessary. Come and sit at my feet. Yeah. Just pause and let the dishes be dirty and let the rooms not be picked up or the bed be made and just come sit at my feet. And that I can learn from. Absolutely. And don't you love that Jesus always gets to the heart of things? He doesn't just describe the situation. He gets to the heart. He immediately says, what's really going on with Martha's heart, that she's worried yeah. and she's upset. So basically it's a self-focus. It's a, yeah. I'm on my own to accomplish things so that my life will go better based on what I, you know. And yeah. if we were to be honest with ourselves, I think we all want formulas. We want to be like, well, how long should I sit at his feet? When should I sit at his feet? When is it okay to check email? When is it, you know, we all want these formulas when really Jesus calls it like it is, like look at your heart first and say, what is it that's driving your incessant need to keep busy or whatever it is? And so look at that heart issue first and then look at what really is the one thing that is actually necessary. Hey friends, Hannah here. I'm interrupting this amazing conversation with Ruth to tell you about our favorite way to be a woman in the Word of God every day, the She Reads Truth subscription box. If you've never signed up for our monthly subscription box, now is the time. It is the beginning of a new month, which means a new box filled with our brand new study book on Ephesians. In this study, we'll explore what it means to have unity and victory in Christ. You can purchase the study book independently, or you can get it at a discount when you sign up for the She Reads Truth subscription box. Plus, we're giving you an additional 20% off your first box when you use the code SUB20. What are you waiting for? One more thing before we move on, and something that we see from this collection of stories that we're reading this week, because we do read the story of Lazarus, and then it leads into the Martha and Mary day. I was struck in reading it this time through how many times Mary is at the feet of Jesus. So there's this story, which we can presume is the first story. Maybe it is when they meet. It does kind of read that way. And maybe it's not, but she's sitting at his feet listening. And then in the Lazarus passages in John 11, it's where it says, and it doesn't say when this happened, but it says in verse 2, Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Yeah, And then when Lazarus dies... And, you know, first Martha approaches Jesus and says, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. Yeah. And then like when Mary hears that Jesus is here, Mary runs out and says the same thing. But listen to this. It says in verse 32, this is John 11. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and Mm -hmm. told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
And I was just struck by, you know, we get three images of Mary at the feet of Jesus, mm-hmm. listening mm-hmm. and learning, worshiping when she anoints his feet with the oil and with the perfume and wipes his feet with her hair, his dusty feet. Mm-hmm. And then this, because even though I think this bold declaration that she's making and almost it's almost like an accusation. It's easy to kind of read it that way. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. if you'd have been here, mm-hmm. you would not be dead. But that to me is worshipful because it is, I know who you are mm-hmm. and I know what you can do. And she falls at his feet. And then just that's where we move into that passage that's just Mm -hmm. so tender. You know, Jesus saw her crying. He was deeply moved. And we get the famous verse 35, Mm -hmm. Jesus wept. (laughs) And then 36, well, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But so the Jews said, see how he loved him. Yeah, Mm -hmm. He loves Lazarus and Martha and Mary so much. So somewhere in here, they did develop that relationship. But Mm -hmm. the thing about the feet, these pictures of Mary at the feet of Jesus is I feel like this is permission to be in process with our faith, you know, because you kind of get these snapshots of her in different postures of worship. And it's not that like everyone be like Mary. She was learning. She Mm -hmm. was, she was human. She was Mm -hmm. not perfect. But it does feel that Jesus is so welcoming to us and welcomes us when we're upset, angry, questioning, Yeah, when we're feeling worshipful, when we just want to sit and listen, or when we're like Martha and we're just anxious and running around and doing mm-hmm. all the things. He's so tender toward us. Yeah, and It feels very fatherly mm-hmm. almost or big brotherly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Do you think- I just love that. Do you think that, obviously, it matters what we practice in the everyday, you know? But I think about Mary and go, is it possible for somebody to practice sitting at his feet so much that that becomes your default when you are crying out, if you had been here, Mm -hmm. but then she follows it with her posture that she's so, you know, and it makes me go, well... Because it's also a statement of faith. He wouldn't have died. Right. Because here's the thing, like we... None of us can prepare for that really, really astounding, I did not expect this thing to turn out this way, Mm -hmm. or this is not the story I wanted for my life, or whatever situation that the Lazarus picture might be like, wait, how did this happen? And the the ladies are kind of going, this shouldn't have happened, you know, but she had practiced that posture enough that that was her default, was to fall at his feet. Yeah. Okay, so Ruth, I loved talking Martha and Mary with you, and I honestly felt like I learned something, so thank you. Um, we would have had a lot of disappointed cheese if we would have if just we had glazed right over <laughs> right past them. Mary and Martha. Okay, we but, love uh, them. Amanda, who do you want to talk about? I mean, really, we've covered Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Yeah, Lazarus. Oh, we got Lazarus. three fellas left. Okay, who here's do you want to talk about? Let's dish. I want to talk. <laughs> let's, let's dish. <laughs> we should have named the Sheerings Truth Dish. Uh-huh. I want to talk about Judas for a minute, but it, it's more about Jesus, but it's about Judas' That's story. Well, I mean, it's all about Jesus, right? In thinking about Judas, and you know, clearly we know, and if you don't know, you're going to read this week and you're about to know who Judas is and that he was one of Jesus' disciples, betrayed Jesus to the tune of turning him in to be arrested and then killed. For 30 pieces of silver. For 30 pieces of silver. Was paid for that Mm. and betrayed his friend and teacher. So what I noticed this time around was the word new, as in past tense of no. Yeah. So John 13, 
starting at verse 2. I'm going to read from the CSB for a minute. Now, when it was time for supper, this is the last supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him, betray Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, tied around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, and to dry them with the towel tied around him. So this comes, and previous to that, we're going to read the Matthew passage where Jesus says, someone is going to betray me. And they're all yeah. like, not I, not I. It's not, mm. it's not me. Definitely not me. So we know that Jesus knows that he has a betrayer. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus knows, we just read in this passage. And to knew, be clear, Jesus also knows who the betrayer is. He's just alluding right, to right, the fact that right. there will be one. So he knew, he knew he had a betrayer. He knew that it was Judas. He knew what he had come for. And so he washed their feet, mm. including the feet of Judas, yes. who yes. would betray him. And then if you skip forward a few verses to verse 10, he's talking to Peter now because Peter's like, Lord, you know, don't just wash my feet, wash, wash all of me. <laughs> and just, I love Peter so much. Prone to excess. <laughs> totally. And so verse 10, Jesus says, one who is bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet for he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. Verse 11, for he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. Mm. And then they, you know, he continues to dine with them and then later calls Judas friend. Mm. Friend, do mm. what you came to do mm. when he comes into the garden. Yep. And I'm just so struck by Jesus, who is fully human, but is also fully God mm-hmm. <laughs> and knows all things, yeah. mm-hmm. but is being in the process of being betrayed by one of his 12 closest friends mm-hmm. yeah, and the tenderness with which he regards this man. If we said all five of this week's stories are about Jesus, which we do, I feel like the Lazarus story shows us Jesus' resurrection power. Mm-hmm. It shows his friendship. I think that it shows his human emotion with the Jesus wept. Yeah. I think with Martha and Mary, it shows so much about how much he loved women mm-hmm. and sat and talked with them like a rabbi mm-hmm. shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And I think with the story of Judas, we see God's steadfast love. Yes. His loving kindness to his actual enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, his actual enemy, and like by definition. Which is why, Amanda, when you say this Judas thing, this story is about Jesus, it is. Mm-hmm. It really is. And what we learn about Jesus in this little bit about Judas is everything. It also just makes me realize, you know, we always talk about how when you love your enemy, it's not because your enemy deserves it or has done, it's sure. because you love God. Yes, and here you're right. looking at this passage and you say, it's absolutely about Jesus. It's about Jesus and his love for his father, mm-hmm. you know, because ultimately it's his love for his enemies and for all his friends is birthed out of his love for his father. Because it says, you know, that he knew that the father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. Mm-hmm. That's the paradigm. That's yeah. that's what was in yes. the forefront of his mind. So when he calls Judah's friend, 
it's not because he's trying to manipulate something or stick it to him or any of that. It's on the forefront of his mind is God sent me and I'm going back to him. That's mm-hmm. right. My father yeah, is the, one, the originator, the author of everything I'm doing, and I'm reporting back to my father. Yeah. And the way that I want to read that posture of Jesus toward Judas is to think, well, maybe Jesus knew that Judas was going to be repentant. But I don't know. I don't believe Judas was repentant. It says he felt remorse, but that's mm-hmm. not the same thing as I being wanted, repentant. I, I read that I part know. this morning too, just like, oh, yeah. come on, buddy. Like <laughs> um, you're almost there, but you're I, not but, there. But it, it shows that he had remorse and regret, but not repentance. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so I and want... And then he took his life. I want him to be repentant because I want to rationalize Jesus' posture toward him. I know. But that's, right. but that's who Jesus is. It doesn't mean that Jesus is soft on sin. No. No. Like, no. But it it is an indicator of his steadfast love. And mm-hmm. I can't, I don't know how to articulate that dichotomy yeah. in a theologically precise way. Like, I just mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. But it's, it is, it's the mystery of the gospel of like who, not even to say that Jews received the gospel. I don't believe he did. But I believe that God is who he is all the time. Yeah. And Jesus is who he is all the time. And then he always seeks for our repentance with kindness. That kindness Ugh. leads us to repentance. And that this is his display of that. Like repentance is for your take. Like you can step into repentance and he will always be leading you with kindness. Yeah. And that kindness is first and foremost shown through the fact that he he sacrificed it all. Like he gave his life, not just to woo us back, but to love his father and to follow through with what God mm-hmm. the Father planned for all eternity to rescue us yeah. through that, through Christ. And so his obedience to his father yeah. means that he can stoop down and wash feet. Yeah. And, I, and I, when I look at that, I say, yes, absolutely. He is loving, but he's not loving just because he's a good guy. He's loving yeah. because he is defined and burdened and orchestrated and completely aligned with the heart of God, his yeah. father. That's such a good word. Jesus is not just a good guy. Like it's so much deeper than that. Yeah. And so that's why our framework breaks down. When we're like, oh, well, sure, he treated him this way because X, Y, Z, but it's there's no reason other than that's who he is. Well, and I think it's we have to be careful because we sometimes look at passages like this and we just go, well, see, Jesus wash people's feet. So get in there and just do it. And then you're like, well, but I don't feel like it. And that, guy, you know, and so sometimes you can muscle your way through and get all good about washing somebody's feet that really has been rude to you or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you feel kind of good about yourself. And sometimes my point is just this, mm-hmm. that unless you are doing it to the glory of God, knowing that God loved you first and he is your full paradigm, like honoring him, then everything else, I mean, washing feet, there's no magic in washing feet. The goal is not to just get in there and do something that's sacrificial. Anyone can do that. You can do that without believing the gospel, Mm -hmm, do something sacrificial. It's that ultimately you do what's costly when you know who sent you. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. And it ties right back to Mary Martha. Mm -hmm. Like Martha was doing, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, but that's not... The doing is good and that's yeah. fine, yeah. but that's not the thing. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know? Okay, Ray, who stole your heart this week as you're 
preparing to read? I mean, who stole my heart? Lazarus. I loved oh. him. I mean, I thought you were going to say Jesus. Well, just then. Jesus. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. But Lazarus. we love Lazarus because he is this foretaste. He's this foretaste mm-hmm. of resurrection. He's not the first fruit. Jesus is the first fruit. Yeah, he did die again, to be because clear. Lazarus, it was a temporary resurrection. Yes, yeah. exactly. And he's not the first or last person in scripture to be resurrected from the dead, mm-hmm. but it's a really special one because it's mm-hmm. Jesus' friend and the brother of his friends. And just that moment of a couple of times in that passage, hearing you know Jesus say, I'm saying this so that they know that there yeah. will not be a mistake of whose power this is or who sent me or who, like, who is doing this. Which starts the action kind of in John's gospel where it was such a public act and so bold in the authority that it displayed that it's what lit them on fire to like Mm -hmm. to go after him and arrest him and crucify him. Yeah, this is where Mm -hmm. the chief priests and the Pharisees kind of get a little scared and they're like, oh, people are going to start rallying around this Jesus guy. We've got to quash this. And so if you get to, you know, kind of, Later in chapter 11, it goes from, you know, Jesus saying, unbind him and let him go about Lazarus and his grave clothes right into the plot to kill Jesus. It says, you know, the many, many Jews who came and seen this and they got excited. I'm paraphrasing. That's not even the CSB. I feel like the CSB (laughs) might say they got excited, but it doesn't. But it says in verse 47, so the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do for this man performs many signs? If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. That is the turning point, Amanda. You're right. It's the, the resurrection of Lazarus. They're like, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Okay, it's true. so Lazarus, his story, it excites me. It's just, it's Captures so wonderful. Your heart. It really does. But it's hard to cover five whole stories in this amount of time. <laughs> but I do want to talk about Barabbas. Mm. I think that, I mean, what a story. I remember the first time that somebody talked to me about Barabbas, and I understood myself as Barabbas. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I think I was probably in middle school and Mm. not until then did I realize, and it was a really pivotal moment for me to realize that the innocent Jesus Mm. went to, you know, not just prison, but went to death and the guilty one, the Mm -hmm. guilty prisoner was set free because Jesus paid my debt. Mm. My goodness, I can't think about Barabbas any other way now. And the interesting thing about his story is that in the like earliest manuscripts of the New Testament, he's actually, the name is not just Barabbas, it's Jesus Barabbas. Yeah. I think John told us that like some well-meaning scribe along the way kind of struck Jesus from Barabbas's name because why would Barabbas get to have Jesus in his name? But if you actually look at the intention of that, the reality that his name was Jesus Barabbas, and then there was Jesus, and Pilate was asking the crowd, which Jesus do you want? Wow. And like, do you want the Jesus that uh, will kill you or that will die for you? And the crowd chose Barabbas. And don't, I mean, I. And so we also see ourselves in the crowd. I just, I don't know if it's that I've never truly looked at it that way because I think that I have, but adding that bit about the name and like, you know, I can see myself in Barabbas, I can see myself in the crowd and in Pilate. 
Yeah. yeah. Pilot, buddy. We didn't talk about Pilot, but <laughs> I just, I had a lot of sympathy for him. Yeah. <laughs> Empathy maybe for him in this story. I mean, just what how, a tough. Just at a loss. Like, what do I do? Yeah. I mean, at one point, I can't remember exactly the passage, but it felt like he was like trying to you know, say like, come on, just defend yourself mm. so we can get you out of here. Like you can tell that he knows he's like, he, this man's innocent. But he has the pressure. I think it's John 19 in verse 10. It says, So Pilate said to Jesus, You will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? Which put that, that was it. Yeah. But wow. put that aside yeah. because you don't have the authority, Pilate. Like, who has the authority right. here? But then it says, Jesus answered him. And this is what I loved. This honestly felt nice to me about Pilate because Jesus said, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you mm-hmm. from above. And then he said, therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. And he's talking about Judas. And so I don't know. Gosh, There's something yeah. about, you know, we've talked about Judas and whether or not he repented or just had remorse. And we have this tender place in our heart for Pilate and just the really horrible position that he was in. And nobody can feel more compassion for either of them like Jesus can. And I think that that's the thing we listed, you know, those first three, you know, readings of this week and the way that they were actually stories about Jesus. And it's the same with these last two. It's the Mm -hmm. same with the story of Pilate. It's the same with the story of Barabbas. These stories are about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it'll be the same for the next two weeks. And we see ourselves in the characters of these stories. And when we place ourselves in those, in the lives of those characters, we learn how Jesus interacts with them and we learn about Jesus' character And we remember how good Jesus has been to us and how his steadfast love is never ending. Amen. Okay, Ruth, I wish this never had to end, which I think I say after every episode. No, this has been fun. Oh, wait, here's this is my cue to say this is our my favorite episode yet. (laughs) Amanda says every every time. I say it every time. No, but this is true this time. It's true. This is really fun. This is really it, Ruth. (laughs) Okay. So at the end of every episode, something that we love to do is just go around and point out the beauty, goodness, and or truth that we are seeing in our everyday lives. Of course, it's in scripture, but it also exists all around us. Mine is like more of a an idea or a story that I heard. Ruth, when you were talking earlier about having six sons and, and you and your husband have been a homeschool home mm-hmm. and family, I actually have a friend of ours from church. They have three sons. And I heard this story from them probably a year ago at this point, maybe longer. And she was, you know making breakfast, that kind of thing. Her husband was headed out the door in the morning and she gave him a kiss. And just like in love and jest, she said, make millions. And he (laughs) just looked right back at her and he said, make men. Oh, I love that so much. (laughs) And it's the most beautiful acknowledgement that her job is so significant. I love that so much. I love it so much. So when you were talking about that earlier, Mm, I just thought that's my beauty, goodness, and truth. Make men and women. Wow. Make them. Well, mine's kind of about Ruth, too. I was going to say, Ruth, um, your, I think I've said this to you before, your Instagram feed, because you live in like the most beautiful place on earth. Is it possibly is, the most beautiful place on earth? Yes. You know, I don't think it necessarily is, <laughs> ladies, but I think I'm looking for it all the time. It's okay. God's country. Because here's why. It because every time Ruth just casually takes a photo with her family like the backdrop is just mountain ranges and mm-hmm. like 
it's just so beautiful. And your family is beautiful. And so I find beauty in your social feed and not to in, <laughs> so not, kind. and not goodness even, and truth and truth. Well, I was going to say, and not to even mention like your work, your grace laced work. And just Ruth is an incredible visual artist yes. and a songwriter and an author <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so many, I mean, you just, you are such a creative soul and yeah. And your art is so worshipful. And so I just, I find a lot of beauty, goodness, and truth. You're right. All three. Mm. And just watching you do your thing. Go check her out. Ruth Chow. Do I pronounce it Ruth Jow Simons? It's Ruth Joe Simons. Joe Simons. There's no way you would have known that. But yeah, it's it's Mandarin. I love it. Yeah. It was great. Well, I love this segment, you guys. You know, it's funny that you mentioned it because I try to say this as often as I can that I don't think that inspiration just happens really naturally. You have to cultivate a heart of like yeah. beholding. You do, It doesn't just happen. I am not a natural beholder. I don't naturally see beauty around me. And so, yeah, I live in an area that's pretty lovely, but I think most of us live in a a prettier place than we realize. Yeah, but beholding good. is really hard to do when you're yeah. looking down at your phone all the time. And mm. so, so ouch, oh, it's so hard. Just, those so, were my toes. So, so beauty for <laughs> me really on. is that even if there's four feet of snow in front of my house right now, I find a viewpoint every day somewhere where I can look out and say, I had nothing to do with that. That is yeah. incredible. God, you that. are so much bigger than me. So that's my beauty is that I'm always like, okay, Where's the view today? You know, because if I look right out my front door, it's muddy snow right now. And that's mm-hmm. actually not that beautiful. But it's not for Instagram or anything. It's for my heart to really say, that's I'm going to look up from where I am and I'm going to find what has nothing to do with me that he's done that's so beautiful. And so that's my beauty. And I, you know, it's funny because I'm not doing this just because you guys were so sweet to say something about me. But <laughs> that conversation we had, Amanda, about being in the word in Nashville, yeah. that was goodness for me. Yeah. It was really good for my heart because you might think that the ladies who run She Reads Truth have this perfect, you know, perfect Bible reading thing. They just long for the word every single day. People think that of me as well. Yeah. It must be that if you write devotional work that you are naturally devoted to God. And it was good. It was so good for my soul. And it was like God's goodness in my life to look you in the eye, to stand there as a new friend and say, you know what? We're both going through stuff. But the reality is longing for the Word of God has got to be something we pursue a little bit day by day. There's no assumption that it comes easy. And it's okay to be honest and real that, gosh, sometimes I'm not desiring it like I ought. How do I I realign today with the Word of God? So I loved to be able to be two women who, and Rachel, you would have said the same if you had been standing there, but we were together. And it was the last night, and it was an opportunity for me to say, I'm going to go deep with Amanda because... I'm not going to waste time here. Like, how can I pray for your season? And and so since then, I've been praying for your joy oh, in the Word of God. And thank you. I need that prayer too, yeah. because the industry we're in is one where you could get away with counterfeiting things. Oh, yeah. Well, and let's not be that. And so, and I love that this conversation has been, we may not know all the answers. We may not right. always long, for, but let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Because you know? naturally, naturally, I'm a wanderer. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, prone and, to wander. Mm-hmm. Lord, I feel it for every sure. day. I feel every that, day. yeah. And so, um, that's why we're so passionate about our mission of mm-hmm. women in the Word of God yeah. every day, men in the Word of God every day, because every day is how often. Yeah. So I that, need that vulnerability and that truth was goodness to me for sure. Good. And yeah. then, last Likewise. but not least, my truth is really quick, but 
my agent, Bill, recently texted me because of, you know, industry things, some things that sometimes a good news happens in my life mm-hmm. and I immediately pick it apart and say how it could have been better. Or And he goes, Ruth, stop and celebrate. Mm. Oh, that's good. And I had a moment yeah. where I was like, hmm, that stepped on my toes uh-huh. because it makes me realize like God is blessing. She's showing favor and you're so busy moving on to the next thing that you have to complete. Or And he's like, stop it and just celebrate. Proclaim how good he is to you. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that's the truth. Celebrate more. Celebrate mm, good. the staff and your, you know, the people on your team. Celebrate when your child actually puts away socks together, yes, Lord. you know, like celebrate when Legos end up in the Lego bed, <laughs> celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. Yeah. Let's make a habit of proclaiming if God calls us to delighting and rejoicing and jubilee, what does that look like in our everyday life? So I'm going to yeah. work on that. Well, I think it looks a little bit like this. Yeah. I love you it. Know? Just yeah. stopping and proclaiming yeah. his goodness and yeah. opening his word together. Thank you, Ruth. Sure. Love you for girls. being with Thanks us. for having me. All right, team. Well, I want you to know more about Ruth. Of course, what you know about more about Jesus. But also, if you want to know more about Ruth, go to our show notes. You're going to be able to find links to her books and, of course, her beautiful Instagram feed and many other things. Y'all, we love it. When you love the She Reads Truth podcast, please come take a minute, give us a rating, give us a review, share us with a friend. And y'all, until next time, what do we say, Amanda? Keep opening your Bibles. Keep opening your Bibles.